Welcome survivors, burnout community, and those just interested. It's Kelly Buboltz, trainer, author, speaker, and your burnout prevention mentor. Burnout is not taboo. It's our reality in this chaotic, fast-paced world. But we're not going to let it drive the narrative to our stories. We're going to do something about it. So let's dig in. of the book published from my burnout collapse that shares the beginning stages of recovery as well as other stories that I have met through workshops and keynote speeches. The book Leaving the Darkness a Proven and Practical Burnout Guide is available through Amazon or my website with an online action planning guide video. In celebration of this one-year published mark and hundreds of copies sold, I want to read one of my favorite chapters from the book, Chapter 4, The Armor Cracks. Chapter 4. The Armor Cracks. A knight in shining armor is a man who has never had his mettle truly tested, unknown. There was a participant on one of my workforce trainings whose situation may resonate with you. For the sake of privacy, I will name him Bob. In a private workshop session, he told the small group that their company does not support employees and is only out for the money. Does that sound familiar to you? I see it all over social media, so I would not be surprised if you have heard it or said it yourself. I asked Bob to explain the situation and events that led to his thoughts on this. As he talked, I could see his body language becoming defensive. Bob's ideas have been turned down during group brainstorming sessions and company benefit changes, and he was emotionally charged as he described the events. Using absolutes and making assumptions about the people involved, it's something we have all done at least once. I asked him what he did to act on the situation. Bob told me that if they don't care about him, why should he care how the company performs? So he worked at the bare minimum, as he described it. That type of mentality comes from bitterness and resentment, a this for that type of attitude. What's interesting about it though, is it usually stems from previous events. Since Bob had already disclosed to the group that he was fairly new to this company, I asked him why he changed employers. He said his previous employer had made layoffs throughout the pandemic and he had watched his friends and work peers get terminated one after another until finally, at the fourth round of layoffs, it was his turn. No matter what employer he would have been hired by, the trust between employee and employer was already damaged. Bob would have found anything with any company to prove they are about the money and not support employees. When Bob saw his stability shaken by the layoff situation, it is most likely his mind went into survivorship mode. It's the natural protection mechanism we are all born with. There he was, still in that fight, flight, or freeze mode, scanning for threats even though he had a new job. Since Bob was rerouted into the darkness, a mental monster was slowly created, a monster labeling every company a threat that will continue to haunt him day in and day out. Is this sounding familiar? Many in burnout go through the same process of creating mental monsters. A hard lesson learned during recovery was that most of the time we are our own worst enemy. Most of the time, we are playing the villain in our own story. So much blame, hatred, resentment, and betrayal ran through my veins. 
As I quit a 15-year human resources career, the hardest questions were with the people I thought I was letting down the most, my parents and my boss. Growing up in my household, we were taught a very tough work ethic. You don't quit and you earn every dollar. This has stood me well for years and is probably the factor that kept me growing and receiving promotions, climbing that corporate ladder. To put this even more into perspective, my parents worked for the same company for 48 service years, teenage years to retirement. That's pretty much unheard of these days. Loyalty, hard work, and dedication were always at the top of their life lessons. At my physical collapse of burnout, they were the last people I told about quitting. Aside from social media followers, it was one of those calls you don't want to make. I felt like a failure that I couldn't make it and quit before the finish line. During the call, both parents were on speakerphone and were silent upon hearing the news. They had observed my dwindling health a few times over the holidays. I didn't speak much about it as I didn't even know what was going on at the time. My father spoke first, and this scared the crap out of me. Knowing he worked two jobs all his career to provide for our family, surprisingly, he said, Kelly, some of the happiest people I know hardly make any money, but they have all that they need. I was also afraid of my mother's response, knowing she raised four kids, ran a household, supported her siblings, being the oldest, and aging parents while working full-time. I never saw her breakdown either, so if it ever happened, she hid it, and hid it well. My mother finally spoke. We just want you to be healthy. My boss was the person I dedicated this book to for many reasons. If you did not read that page at the beginning of the book, stop now and take a look. As an executive leader and president of the company, there are many pressures and expectations put on him to make sure performance is being met. Yet when I had crazy ideas, outlandish paths for our workforce to take, he would have my back. That is a boss-employee trust level only some of us are lucky enough to experience. Now I've had time to think about it. He's just one of those people you meet who believes in humanity and doing the right thing. The behavior of do good and good will come to you. I've had great bosses most of my career who have mentored and molded me, but his leadership actions on a daily basis prompt me to become the leader I am today. He pushed when I needed it, had my back without me asking, and regardless of what chaos was going on, never doubted my actions. It took until I had to decide if I could even make it through a workday before I stepped into his office and put in a two-month resignation notice. You may be thinking that is a long notice, but we were extremely busy, and I love that workforce like family. You don't disown your family. You leave gracefully. You don't shift pain to others. During the resignation meeting with my boss, I could hardly breathe as I was crying so hard. He sat, looked at me, and listened. He suggested removing many duties in my role and came up with alternative positions so I could stay. Unfortunately, it was too late. I was so ill. I needed to leave human resources completely in order to reset and discover how I even got here. The next thing my boss said is at the beginning of this book, and is the motivation on which I have rebuilt my life. 
he repeated a quote that was once passed to him. At the end of the day, when all is said and done, your tombstone doesn't say you are an amazing employee. It says you are a loving mother, wife, a beautiful daughter, and loyal friend. Aside from using a couple more tissues to get to grips with myself, I found a missing puzzle piece. I have had my priorities so backwards for 15 years, I didn't even see anything wrong. I was living to work, not working to live. I'd rather run outside away from my children because I'm on the phone with someone at work than set healthy boundaries and no contact hours. I worked when my kids were sick, answered emails 24 seven, and constantly thought about work. In future chapters, we will dig into why that happens in both body and mind frameworks under chronic stress. If you have ever been to any of my trainings or workshops, you've probably heard me say, the monster will be under your bed if you continue to hide under the covers. If you get out from those covers and take a look, you'll realize the monster never existed. This is important to remember as the what ifs in your head will drive action in the wrong direction and create an even bigger monster. I kept my struggle, pain, and challenges to myself for six years as I sunk further into the darkness. Imagine all that could have been avoided if I used the support system that was already surrounding me. The darkness is not just a sad, fearful, angry, lost place. It clouds your view so you cannot see anything, not even the people who may have had their hands reach out trying to help. I've cried in my car, wiped away tears, straightened myself up, put on a smile before entering places too many times to remember. This is why I say watch out for the smilers. They are the ones who are not asking for help, nor showing their wounds. They will be the ones eventually drowning so far down, it's a long way up or too late. The biggest feedback after announcing my burnout and exit from the HR profession was, why didn't you say anything? To this day, my answer is that I'm a stubborn people pleaser and independent enough that it almost killed me. I'm going to be guiding you through an impactful action plan, but if you get anything from this book, it is that. Ask for help. You are not alone. What changed? Why now and not before? 15 years of fast-paced, multi-role work, and it didn't hit hard until recently. Unfortunately, it was a series of events. This is what I call broken armor. Resiliency, more commonly called thick skin, is not born, it is built. As we age and gain more experience, knowledge, and self-awareness, our ability to bounce back from stressors increases. This is the armor building up to protect us during the battles. What I didn't know is that this armor will get beat up, bent in, and cracked if not mended. As sucker punches of stress continue, we usually don't help ourselves by building this armor back up. We'll be discussing some of the major contributors throughout the next couple chapters. Leave the dark place moment. As I describe the following, I want you to reflect on what changes have been happening to damage your resiliency armor. A few are listed below for my own journey to guide you on your notes. Life events, purchasing a home, responsibilities, maintenance, expenses, ownership fears, marriage, loyalty, 
commitment, worrying about another person aside from yourself, parenthood, all the above, daily worries about if you are doing it right, safety, health, aging parents, guilt over their past actions, living far away, fear of what's next, job demands, expectations, unrealistic or even attainable, future ambitions, next steps, where am I going, new opportunities, positive image, who's watching, keep smiling, role model, constant stressors, no space to breathe, think or create, purpose conflict, supporting employee needs while serving company goals, work slash life balance, big lack thereof, drastic changes, medical conditions, not feeling like you used to, why does everything hurt, no answers, relationship strains, I'm only one person, why so many requests from everyone, loss of identity, are we just doing things because someone told us to do it, trauma, your mind may numb, but your body doesn't forget unresolved events. Environmental factors, COVID pandemic, community isolation, supply chain threats, mandates, loss of control, perspective, the main medical system failed me, now what? Safety concerns, schools different, what effects will we see when they're older? Social norms, if I explore XXX, Will it be welcomed, supported, or frowned upon? Body support, organ fires, processed foods, fast food, alcohol, no movement, too tired to think, let alone work out. Lack of sleep, so tired I can't sleep. Insomnia, over-caffeinated, just one more cup of coffee this afternoon. Irregular periods, pack the whole tampon box, extra pants, and off to work I go. Before we begin, before we begin to drive into facts that contribute to burnout and how to recover, let's take a moment to figure out the big variables in the categories above that got you here reading this book. We might have similar lists, but get detailed on yours specifically. I've trained many different generations on the subjects of burnout and resiliency, yet no story is the same. The stressors might have some relevance, but different seasons, twists, turns, highs, and lows. The only way out of the darkness is to identify how you got there. Otherwise, you will go in circles, eventually ending up right where you stand today. My Burnout Compass program digs deeper into each of the categories. Find out more about it on my website, www.kbtrainingconnections.com. Once you have this list, I want you to look inward and take accountability for your own actions. What have you contributed that moved you in the direction of burnout and away from energy? During my years in HR and conflict resolution, there was a pattern regardless of the situation and people involved. You cannot control other people, only your actions. Let's put that into perspective for your situation. What has happened that you have not taken time to process and allow to heal? Your body does not forget unresolved trauma and it comes out as unbalanced homeostasis. When this is unbalanced, your body can no longer adjust in response to changes around you as well as the internal body mechanics. Take it even further and know this expands to mind and soul. All three, mind, 
body and soul need to be in balance to thrive. The nervous system and body need stable and steady conditions for functionality. If you are avoiding the big bombs from the past, you will never get to that balanced state. You'll be an open target with weakened armor, no matter what other actions you try to rebuild. That's why I don't suggest people change jobs until they figure out all the contributors to their burnout state. You might change employers, but all the other variables will still be lurking. It's also difficult to start a new job when you have brain fog, low energy, dysfunctional memory, and everyone is a threat to you. If you cannot control other people or reality, that means you caused your own burnout. Now before you rip up the page, burn the book, and hunt me down, let me stop and ask a question. Does that statement enrage or anger you? Why? The statements that aggravate us the most are usually where the biggest self-growth sits. It is your choice to pull the sword out of the stone and believe in what could be or walk past it and continue on the way things are. One way will grant you a better life, I promise you that. The other, well, it depends on how far into the darkness or despair you already are. I don't know what can grow in the valley of darkness. If I learned anything from Bob's mentality, it is to face the monsters causing pain. Do not let it fester and ruin all the opportunities and happiness presented right in front of you. Are you still with me? Then follow me as I guide through your journey of a lifetime. The journey on which you rebuild your armor so strong, it's going to be difficult to crack. I know you're not lazy. Most people in burnout are high performers, those serving others before themselves. Don't discount this step today, the action in which you focus on your self-growth. Piecing together, the puzzle is half the journey. Rediscovering yourself, energy, and establishing new habits is the other. Do not underestimate the untapped inner strength inside you. Explore more resources on my website to move from zombie mode back to liveliness. See you soon.